Well, on a different note, uh, anybody know what this is? This is from the Consumer Electronics Show, this really big thing that happens out in, uh, I think it's in Las Vegas, the beginning of each year. Uh, so this is actually a, um, a GPS that taps you and silently tells you the way to go. It actually, uh, you know how if you take a, a, a tuning fork and you touch it to a bone and then you can hear it more? Well, this thing resonates through your bone to speak to you inaudibly. And so you walk along and, and apparently, so this uh, Toru Yamanaka, who this man who created it, as a son who really struggles with being able to follow directions and walk at the same time. <laughs> and you know, people walk around on campus or someplace else and their head's down in the, in the phone and they bump into people. And, and so this is a device that just is always there. You say, here's where I want to go. And it just taps you and says, now's the time to turn. And if you don't, it speaks to you and says, you ought to turn. And great device. And yet it's actually no different than what we already have, right? We already have this in our lives, just not for uh, geographic navigation. So I'd love your input for a minute. What guides how people live? Uh, what guides the words that we say, the things that we do and how we do them? This is built into all of us. We have things that say, you know what, right now is a really good time to tell that person that they're wrong. <laughs> or that says, now is a really good time to hide and run. Right? What is it? What are things that guide us? What are some thoughts? Values, yeah, yeah, values that we have. Yeah, and what might be some of those values that that, that guide us? Wanting the best for somebody else. Wanting the best for somebody, yeah, yeah. To say, this is what's going to drive what I do. I want what's best for you. Good. Other things. Wanting the best for ourselves. <laughs> yes, wanting the best for us, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, very true. Other things that might guide us. People that we respect. Sure, people we respect. Yeah. Parents. Fear. Yeah. And what was that? Parents. Parents. Yep. Yep. Social Jesus' words. Social mores. Yeah. Yeah. Expectations. Jesus' word. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Sometimes I think I'm guided by the path of least resistance. Say, so here are two paths I could take. This one's got a roadblock on it. And this one looks very pleasant. It's pretty clear which way I'm going to go. Right? Sometimes we're guided by which is going to cost more. This is where you know, many in the U.S. have said, if we put a calorie count under every one of the uh, menu items that are options for you, this will guide what you do next. And sometimes I hope that that's not working today so I don't have that guilt added to uh, the pleasure I was going to have. Many different things that guide us. So what I do want to think about today is what guided Jesus' words and actions. And when we think about what guided Jesus' words and actions, I'd like you to imagine for a minute a world filled with people living like Jesus. A world filled with people who turn the other cheek when insulted. A world full of people who bless when they are cursed. A world full of people who follow their father's way. Imagine a church like that. 
Imagine a family like that, where this is what guides everybody and what they do. So I want to take a minute to pray that God would work even through this time to make us more like Jesus. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that we have uh, your revelation, your self-revelation in the Bible given to us. Jesus, thank you that we have your teaching. We have what you did and what you said. So we ask today, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you do your work today, that you would make us more like Jesus. We ask for your peace that you offer by knowing who we are and the path that you call us to. And we pray that you'd give us courage and strength and boldness to follow as you lead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I just wanted to say a quick word about uh, what we're doing uh, in January with the sermons. Uh, Talking with the elders, um, we had some conversation about discipleship, about being literally a learner of Jesus Christ. And so here's one way that I find it helpful to think about what does it mean to be a disciple? Uh, And this is somebody who confesses, as Alan said earlier, this idea of agreeing with truth, and it's genuinely declaring these things. A disciple genuinely declares that God is my father who genuinely declares that Jesus is my Savior and Lord, who genuinely declares that the Spirit is God's presence empowering me, and somebody who does this together with God's people. So it's, it's four great relationships. Uh, a disciple is somebody who has this relationship with God the Father, relationship with God the Son, relationship with God the Holy Spirit, and does this together with God's people. So last week, we took some time thinking about God is my father. If you call on a father who judges impartially, this is how you should live. If you claim God as your father, this is what it's like. He longs for you to be growing in Christ-likeness. And today we'll take some time looking at this idea that Jesus is my Savior and Lord. Next week we'll think more about uh, the Holy Spirit, and then the next week what it is to do this together with God's people. So today we're in John 20, and we'll talk more about this drawing in a few minutes. I encourage you to have the text in front of you. It's not very long. We're going to look at a few other passages in John with it. Uh, and I see, I think, handouts have been passed out. That's great. There, there are links um, in the email for those who are online. I encourage you to have that in front of you. Let me just say a couple of words about the Gospel of John. So the Gospel of John was written by John, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Uh, in some ways, perhaps the one who who was closest to Jesus. And he wrote to people who need to know God more. I put the more in parentheses because in some ways, John is uh, what you might call an evangelistic gospel, one that's written to people that, that he wants them to know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And yet it's also clear that John is writing for people to continue in this journey to know God more. So I think in this, his purpose is to make disciples. And to paraphrase what I just said, it's to to make people who live life with God, like Jesus, by the Spirit. And this is what it is to follow him. Now, there's some fascinating things about the Gospel of John. But here's one I find really interesting, is that John found some words he really liked, and he kept using them. And so the words sent in the Gospel of John is used 55 times. 
And one of the things I find fascinating in that, well, so let me stop a second and say, right, so this is 55 distinct times that he says, I'm going to use this idea of being sent. And an interesting thing is that about two-thirds of those is Jesus said, God the Father sent me. Only a handful does he say, I send you. But two-thirds of the time he says, this is what God the Father sent me to do. So being sent is really important. And John gives most emphasis to Jesus' declaration that he was sent. But we're actually going to look at a passage where both it talks about how he was sent and how he sends us. Another word that's used even more in John is to know. Uh, Used 83 times, and most of these are about knowing Jesus and knowing God the Father. Jesus says he did things so that people would know. He prays to his Father and says, I have made you known to my disciples. So to know in this rich sense of head, heart, and hands of saying, God is real and I have a relationship with him. Not just an idea, but a person. So we'll be looking at sent and know. So uh, in John 20, we're just going to look at these verses, starting at verse 19. This is right after Jesus' resurrection. And it's fascinating in John, there are two times that Jesus meets with his disciples. It's all we hear about in John after the resurrection. And this is his only time to teach. And it's very short. (laughs) Very short section. Certainly he talked to them a lot more. But John says, here is the core of what Jesus said when he had his chance to talk to his disciples after the resurrection. And so here we are, John 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So let's stop there for a second. Just a a rich passage with so much. One is to highlight, there aren't too many passages in the Bible that include explicitly God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit together. And here we see it. God the Father sent the Son, and the Son gave the Holy Spirit. Jesus comes to those who are afraid. They're afraid of the Jewish authorities who might come and arrest them like they arrested Jesus. So Jesus comes, and he says, Peace be with you. I come and I declare peace. And and often I just look over those words and say, well, that's what you say, you know, hey, how are you? And when you say, how are you in American English, you don't actually mean, how are you? You just say, hey, right? So I cross over this. But this was a significant statement. He said, peace, peace be with you. And I think he put that into action. And he said, look at my body. The peace I give you is by knowing that the resurrection is real not just an idea, I'm not just here in spirit or not just here in a, in a, a, a casual sense. Or This isn't just a word to say. He says, peace be with you. And the physical expression of those words was, see the evidence 
that the resurrection is real. And it worked. (laughs) They were overjoyed. And I think this is an expression of peace. And again, I have this weak version of peace in my mind that just says, peace is when, you know, there are no fights going on right now. (laughs) But their expression of peace right now was to be overjoyed because the resurrection was real. They were afraid that these, these religious rulers would come and arrest them too. But Jesus said, they can't stop me. Death can't stop me. The resurrection is real. And they were overjoyed by this. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. Identical words. <laughs> Wasn't enough to say it once? Well, I think he said it again because he says, and here's another expression of the peace of God. And he says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And I'm convinced this is another expression of the peace of God. Let me give you the peace of God by declaring that I'm sending you just as my Father sent me. And the rest of the words are are fascinating with challenging questions in them. He breathed on them, said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then this declaration about their power and forgiveness. We're not going to look at that today. That's a teaser. Next week, we'll wrestle with that a bit to understand what is this when he says, receive the Holy Spirit for peace, and you now have some sense of power, of forgiveness, related to the forgiveness of God. Today, I want to wrestle with this question of what is it that Jesus means when he says, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And so I wanted to go back into John and look at some of these places where Jesus said the Father sent me, as the Father sent me. So one is what Alia read earlier, uh, John three sixteen. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So the first thing to see here is that the core of God's action is from love. God so loved the world. This is the defining quality that God says, I'm going to interact with a broken world, with a world that rejects me, with a world that hates each other and is in conflict. God was motivated, first of all, by love. And to say, we're sent the way Jesus was sent, at the core is this motivation of God that says, act out of love for a broken world. Act out of love for broken people. God loved the world so much that in this way, he gave his son at a high cost. And he sent his son into that broken world. So the, the, the motivation of God was to say, here is a world I love, and it's a world in trouble, and it's a world that's struggling. And so he says, I sent my son to that world that is a broken world. Uh, As somebody said, here's what happens when God loves. He sends help. When God loves, he sends help. And here he says, I will send my son into the world. And this is God's intention, that he sent his son to save the world through him. Now, There is a judgment. But this first coming of the Son of God was to rescue, to save, to bring hope. This love of God prompted him to send help. And he sent his Son to save. 
So we see that the love of God sent his son. Hold on to that as the core of what it is to be sent by God is to be motivated by the love of God for people who don't deserve it, for people who are in trouble, for people who are fighting against each other, for people who attack us. He says, the love of God sends. And the love of God sent his son to bring salvation to a broken world, to bring hope, to bring life to a broken world. The son of God was sent by the love of God to bring salvation to a broken world. And so when we look at uh, John 7, 16 and 18, listen to how Jesus expresses this being sent by the Father. Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There's nothing false about him. You see, again, Jesus has this deep identity of being sent by God. And a key way he does that is he says, my teaching, everything that I'm saying to you, is not mine. I'm not super creative. I'm not making this stuff up. What I'm doing is I'm telling you what comes from the one who sent me. The son of God the Son of God, the creator of the world, says, I don't come and make stuff up. I come and tell you what my Father has told me to say. In fact, he makes this challenging statement. He says that he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. See, if people speak on their own, they're seeking their own glory. If they, they say, oh, here's an important thing to say, right? And sometimes we have people, we say, oh, I need to hear this commentator or, or this pastor or this person who has great wisdom. Let's hear how they interpret things. And Jesus says, I don't do that. I'm here to tell you what the Father sent me to say. And in fact, he says, here's a key question you want to find out. Is somebody's teaching their own or is it from God? He says, you should test that in me too. Is my teaching my own or is it from God? Again, this is the son of God. This is God himself saying, I only say what my father tells me to say. Right? So the love of God sent his son to bring salvation to a broken world by speaking the father's true words. And, and, and we see it again, John 12, verse 49, for I did not speak on my own, but the father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Are you struck by this? The Son of God says, I say what my Father told me to say. And nothing else. Right? The Father who sent me commanded to say all that I've spoken. I'm not adding my own commentary. I'm saying what the Father has told me to say. He says, so whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Wow. What an expression by Jesus of complete dependence upon the wisdom and the teaching of God the Father to say, that's what I'm here to say. So this love of God sent his son to bring salvation to the world by the son speaking the Father's true words. And John 6, Jesus says this, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him 
shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Jesus said, I've come down from heaven. I was sent from God the Father, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Right, such powerful words. He says, I come here to do what my Father told me to do, to do his will. And, and now his will, we see again, is to bring salvation. He says, God's will is that he gives me people and I'm going to protect them. I'm going to raise them up. I'm going to bring that salvation to everybody you give me because that's what you sent me for. The love of God sent his son to bring salvation to a broken world by speaking the Father's true words and by doing the Father's works. And just to highlight again in in verse 40, he says that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. Jesus was God's means of bringing salvation. Yet the will for salvation was God's. He came to do the work of God the Father. And so then John 4, Jesus says this, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He says, this is the nourishment for my life is to do the will of him who sent me. I'm sent by God. He has a purpose. I do what he tells me to do. And that's my core nourishment of life. John 17, Jesus says, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. By finishing this work, by by doing his work. God gave him work. And Jesus says, I came to do his work. In fact, Jesus said in John 5, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Those are striking words. How do we understand this? And yet, such powerful words when he says, The Son can't do anything. There's nothing I do on my own, he says. I only do what I see my Father doing. And whatever the Father does, the Son also does. The Father's will is to bring salvation. And Jesus says, so here I am. I do what is that task of God. So in an amazing way, Jesus expresses that the love of God sent his Son, sent Jesus, to bring salvation to a broken world by speaking the Father's true words and by doing the Father's works. And so now... Let's look at these words again. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And so I add to this phrase, the Father, the love of God sent his Son and the Son of God sends us as he was sent to bring salvation to a broken world by speaking the Father's true words and by doing the Father's works. This is what Jesus said you are to do. What we are to do is to be sent as he was sent. And it's not to to be super creative and figure out, oh, we've got to figure out a new solution because it's a new day. He said, no, come and say the Father's words and come and do the Father's works. So here's the the drawing uh, I grabbed from last week. Um, And so, yeah, help me out with this. What is an arrow's job? What's an arrow supposed to do? Strike Strike the target, good. What target? The bullseye, it's to go where it was sent, right? It's not, oh, there's a target. I think I'll go to that one, <laughs> right? The arrow is to go where its shooter, its its owner has 
willed for it to go. That's the arrow's job. So, uh, so here's zooming in on that arrow, and here we are. And say life is like flying an arrow, right? And it's in this way that we have been made with a purpose. We have been sent in a particular direction, right? And, and the Son of God has sent us to the target he chose. And so we have a job as the arrow, to go where we have been sent, to hit the target that the one who shot the arrow is aiming for. Sometimes we'd prefer something different, right? So sometimes I'm going to move in, and I don't know if you can see what what, uh, Karen added here. We now have, uh, something's been added here underneath the arrow. Uh, Do you know what that would be? Sometimes we want an accelerator pedal. I'd say a gas pedal, but you know, with, with electric vehicles, it's no longer a gas pedal. So it's an accelerator. Um, but sometimes we say, God, this is going way too slow. I don't know why you think this is a good way to go, but here's the thing needs to happen now, right? It's that, it's that job that needs to be worked out. It's, it's the, the marriage that I want to be in. It's the, it's the grandkids I want. It's the solution to this problem. That I, I don't have time to wait. God, let's get this going. It's time for you to show up and do your work. And so sometimes we want the accelerator pedal. So now we got the, uh, the pedal that's on the other side. What's the pedal on the other side? The brake. Yeah, sometimes we want a brake and we say, God, no, 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 no. This is not, I'm not ready for this. Don't ask me to do this now. I'm not ready for this plan. And we say, let's put the brakes on. Let's slow down. I don't have the strength or the courage or whatever it takes. I don't want to deal with this now, God, but let's just slow this down. So how about now what have we added? Steering wheel. Sometimes that's what we want. We say, God, no, I think you got the wrong plan. (laughs) There's a better plan here. There's another way that we could go. I don't need to have this conversation now. I don't need to deal with this issue in my life now. I'm not ready for it. Let's do something different. Or God, that path looks pretty hard. I think we could find a different path here. And here's one last thing that sometimes we might discover that we we have or we want. The parachute. Sometimes we want the exit plan that says, God, no, not now. I'm just not up for your plans. And so guess what? Maybe we'll catch up again later. (laughs) But I'm going to take my own path. You see, this is the arrow that we'd like to fly. We'd like to fly the arrow that comes with our own accelerator and brake and steering wheel and exit plan where we get to decide And yet Jesus said, this is the arrow that he flew. Jesus said, I was sent to say my father's words, to do my father's works, to glorify the father and not me. So this is what I do. Whatever my father tells me to do, whatever he says, I do it. Where he says to go, I go because he sent me with a purpose to bring salvation, offering it even to the people who torture me and kill me. Because he says, that's what my father called me to do. And Jesus said, I'm sending you like I was sent. I'm sending you to say my father's words, to do my father's works, and to glorify my father and not you. So to go back to that original drawing, like shooting an arrow, the father sent the son. The father said, because of his great love for the broken world, he determined the life purpose of the son. His own purpose 
determined the life purpose of the Son, and that was to save the world. Jesus said, I came to do his work. At one point, Jesus said, you know what? I could say a lot in judgment of you guys right now. <laughs> but my father says, now's not the time. That time will come. But he says, I would be right in saying these things in judgment, but now is not the time for me to judge you. Now is the time for me to offer salvation to you. Since the Father sent the Son, God's love for a broken world determined the life purpose of His Son. And so then Jesus says, like shooting an arrow, the Son sends us. And God's love for a broken world determines the life purpose of Jesus' disciples. And that's to bring salvation to the world. And again, we are often in a place where we could say a bunch of judgment of people. <laughs> we could declare, you're in trouble. And in some sense we do, but that's not our primary message. Our message is, we come to declare the rescue of God in Jesus Christ. We come to bring salvation to the world by saying his words and by doing his works. Now, this might suggest that then we become passive. We just get on that arrow and let it go where it will. But the reality is, that the winds of life keep pushing us around. Sometimes the winds push left and sometimes the winds push right. You can read that politically if you want. Sometimes there's lift and it pushes us up. There's a downdraft, takes us all over the place. So we do live life with a steering wheel, with an accelerator, with a brake, with a parachute. We have to choose to fly by Jesus' directions. There are all sorts of things that push us all sorts of ways and we have to say, no, I'm taking his path. I'm going to say his words. I'm going to do his actions. So Jesus said, peace be with you. And then he declared our purpose to do his will. And I'm convinced these two things are related. They're not just two statements or a statement and something else comes later. He says, here is peace to know you are sent by God, to know that you have a purpose from God. Because having any other purpose cannot give lasting peace. So, going back to my earlier question, what are the things that guide us, that drive us? For some of us, what drives us is pleasing people. Is interacting with people in such a way that they're happy, that, that they're content, they're not angry with me, and whatever burdens them in life, somehow I've been able to alleviate that burden. And I've learned that being oriented around pleasing people does not bring peace. It just does not bring peace. It brings turmoil. <laughs> it, 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 it leads me to be chasing after things and always afraid, oh no, now they're not going to be happy or I can't solve this problem. All these things that go wrong. Living life to please people does not bring peace. And, and only gets worse when you try to please multiple people. Well, there's somebody at work and there's somebody who teaches me and there's a family situation and they're my friends and now I'm going to try to please all of them. Turns out they don't agree with each other very often. <laughs> they also say my problem is the more important one. Just talking with somebody this week who says, my boss says to me, you know what? You ought to balance life and work better after you get done with all the work I'm asking you to do. <laughs> Pleasing people does not bring peace. Some of us are, are driven by pleasing ourselves. And this certainly doesn't bring peace. It sure sounds like it will. But it leads to a, an increasing turmoil after the, 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 the clouds clear. And sometimes not knowing whom to please. And, you know, my own, my own journey, uh, I really struggled figuring out what is my purpose? 
what am I here for? What am I doing? And I would talk with people as I was working at MSU and saying, I don't think I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing yet. And, and this is complex, so I want to express it in both ways. One is, it was a journey before I felt like, okay, I'm doing what God is asking me to do. And that was a wonderful thing when that came. It's not a guarantee that we all get that. But the part that's sad for me is to realize, I didn't realize, I already knew my purpose. (laughs) I already knew I was to speak the words of God, to do the works of God, to bring the salvation of Jesus to the world. I just spent all my time worrying about what exactly that would look like. There is great peace in knowing our purpose. And our purpose is not to be successful. Our purpose is not to make people happy. Our purpose is not to make us happy. Those things steal our peace. Our purpose is to do what we were sent to do, to speak the words of God, to do the works of God, to bring his salvation to the world. And now the question is, what will that exactly look like in my life? Well, I expect that will have a lot of different versions in our lifetime. For a while, it means I'm a child growing up in my parents' home. And so this is my purpose, is to speak the words of God, to do the words of God, to bring his salvation to the world here. And when you're a student, and then for those who get married, and for those who have kids, and and for those who have jobs of various kinds, and, and it's going to look different at different times. But it's only the outward expression that will change. Jesus said, let me give you peace. Let me resolve this for you. Here's what you're all about. Your life is speaking the words of God, doing the works of God to bring salvation to the world as the Holy Spirit empowers you to do it that's it. And now that everybody's going to like it, and that's okay. There'll be conflict, and that's okay because you continue doing your purpose. See, the love of God sent his son, and the son of God sends us to bring salvation to a broken world by speaking the Father's true words and by doing the Father's works. And as we do this, as Jesus said, this brings peace to us and to the world. Now, I do want to clarify one thing, and that is use this term salvation a lot. Uh, And Jesus' purpose is to bring salvation and to bring eternal life. But to be very clear, this is more than just, quote-unquote, salvation and saving souls. So a key thing to do is to say, what did Jesus do? And what did he say? Let's watch and let's listen. And let's do what Jesus taught. So here's a fascinating statement. Jesus said, this is the Father speaking to the Son. So you, the Father, granted him, the Son, authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life, to know God. Not to have an intellectual understanding of God, but a relationship with God. That that God would be present with us through the Spirit. To know him. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. To know Jesus in the flesh was to know someone who brought physical healing, who brought food when people were hungry, who spoke out against injustice and brought justice for the oppressed. To know Jesus was to know somebody who gave daily bread and to know somebody who gave his life to give life forever, to know the Father and to be in his presence forever. 
the application today, first of all, is to find peace in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, peace be with you, and he showed that the resurrection was real. See, no matter how big the problem or tragedy, God's power and love are greater still. And he showed this by saying, death itself can't get in the way of my work, can't get in the way of the the love of God in the world. So to find peace in this resurrection, he says, peace be with you, the resurrection is real. And like Jesus' bodily resurrection, this peace will encompass the whole of creation, not just the spiritual part. The whole of creation will experience this peace of God. To find peace in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, to find in him the power, the goodness, the love that is greater than anything that life or the devil throws at us. And then it's to know God. Right, is to know God, his person, his purpose, his words, his will. We need to know God. That we can't know our purpose, and we can't follow our purpose without knowing God. So Jesus said this. He who sent me is trustworthy, and what I have heard from him, I tell the world. What I have heard from him, Jesus listened to his Father. What I have heard from him. And then in John 5, Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. You see that? The father loves the son and shows him all he does. We need to know God. We need to hear his words. We need to see what he's doing. And God reveals himself. He says, here's who I am. This is what I say. And this is what I am doing. And we need to know it. And the one authoritative place, the one certain place that we can go for that is to know the Bible. And yes, not just to know the Bible, it's to know the Bible in order to know the God of the Bible. That when we encounter the Bible, we say, I want to hear God's voice. I want to see God's hand and his work. And so this is to know the Bible with our head, to to know what it means, to know what it says to read the Bible with our hearts, to to be in relationship with God, to sense his presence, his word through this word. And to know God experientially is in our daily lives, to say, here's the path, here's his provision. We're to know God. And so when we seek to know God, the one authoritative place we have to go is to say, and here's what he has revealed without error, and we want to know it. And then it takes wisdom, discernment, and community, and trial, and error, and practice to put this all together to grow in relationship with God. So to find peace in the resurrection, to to know God, and then it is to live according to what we see and hear in him. And so we need to learn to speak his words. These need to be the words that come to mind. I'm amazed at the power that the words of people have that there are words that somebody said in passing decades ago and they still go through my mind. I'm just startled by sometimes there are words that are not the word of God and yet they're the ones that keep going through my mind. They're the ones that shape my heart. I'm amazed at the power of words other than God's. We need to learn to speak the words of God to ourselves and to others. Right When the situation comes, we need to declare, this is who I am. This is my hope. 
We need to declare these things to ourselves and to other people, to speak his words, and then to learn to do his works. And we're to do his works in the church and in the world. We're to carry out the things that Jesus did, what he taught. He says, here's what it's like for people to encounter the salvation of God, and we should be committed to doing that. And so I'm thrilled in this church as we wrestle with what's it look like among us as a community to live out the salvation of God. And what's it look like when we go out beyond ourselves to live out the salvation of God, to speak his words, to do his works, to bring the salvation of God to those in a broken world. And I go back to the beginning, all as an expression of what? As an expression of love. It was the love of God that motivated him to send Jesus. And so all of these things that we're to do is to be an expression of love, an expression of loving God and loving people because this is his purpose for us. We are to be involved in bringing salvation and the knowledge of God to a broken world. So I want to go back to this statement. A disciple, a disciple, a learner of Jesus Christ is somebody who confesses, genuinely declares, with head, heart, and hands, right? So a disciple says, not just I say the right words, but with my heart, there's a reality here. In my life, there's a reality here that God is my Father, that Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord, that the Spirit is presence and power in me, and I do this together with God's people. And as we saw last week, God is my Father who lovingly disciplines us. If we call him his father, we live with a holy, reverent fear that says he wants our good so desperately. He wants us to share in the glory of his son, and so he disciplines us. Jesus is our Savior and Lord who sends us to bring his salvation to all, not just the saving of souls, but the saving of the whole of people and of forming his kingdom. His spirit is a presence and power in me, and we'll look at this, the one who empowers us, together with God's people who mutually encourage and work together in this journey. The love of God sent his son, and the son sends us to bring salvation to a broken world. Saying his words, doing his works. And I'm convinced that when we do that, both peace and passion are found. And sometimes passion comes out of a lack of peace. Right? There's something we're upset about, and okay, I'm going to drive for this. But I'm convinced in Jesus, this peace also brings this passion for this work of God. And we find it in knowing our glorious God-given purpose and in living and growing in it. So I want to end just by reading again uh, this passage. And I want you to receive it as Jesus speaking to us because I'm convinced it continues. Let me just say one more interesting thing. Jesus gave this great message, great final message to the disciples And they weren't all there. (laughs) Thomas missed it. And yet he was included. And Thomas gives me hope that we're included as well. We weren't there to hear Jesus say it the first time, and he wasn't either, but it continues to speak to his people. So I'll read this and then just leave a time of of reflection um, and prayer and, and listen as God speaks. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, With the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, 
I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Let's pray. Father in heaven, some of us desperately need the peace that Jesus offered. So we ask, Jesus, that you would speak those words to us. Peace be with you. Peace to you. Because the resurrection is real. So Father, I pray for for any who desperately need that peace, that we would know it. Because of your victory, Jesus, over sin and death your victory spiritually and physically, coming to life again forever. May we know that peace. And Father, some of us need that peace to drive us to a passion for your words and your work to bring your salvation to this broken world. I pray that you would move in us, that you would call us, that you would convict us, you would challenge us, you would give us power by your Spirit to speak your words with courage and boldness, to do your actions as you have taught us with perseverance, with strength. We pray that your salvation, the knowledge of God our Father, would extend to the ends of the earth and that you give us the joy of being among those who know God as our Father, and the joy of being among those who are workers in your kingdom to be a part of bringing this salvation to the ends of the earth. In Jesus, our Lord, and our Savior who sends us, we pray. Amen.